Welcome to the inaugural rebrand of the Bet On Me. Trying some new things here. Uh, anybody that's been following the Bet On Me host, Flim, or Me Stacks, you know that uh, we're in a transitional period. We're uh, playing with some names, playing with some ideas, uh, trying to find out what sticks. And uh, the sports On the sports end We're trying to figure it out We're trying to do different things um, It's inaugural rebrand uh, We're going to call the show Real Nonsense <laughs> Real Nonsense man Because if you think about it A lot of times Ain't that what you hear You know And not even just sports Just life in general I think about 30% the 35% of everybody's day is made up of some real nonsense. Stuff that's real and it's happening, but at the exact same time, uh, it's nonsense. It's nonsense. Uh, still a sports program, though. Still bringing you sports. We're just uh, playing around with some branding here. Uh, got a good show for you here, man. Good show. Flem wanted to talk about uh your man Aaron Rodgers. Now we're not in studio here. We're gonna we're gonna work on a little audio handoff here for you guys. So I'm a, I'm gonna go first because I know I know what Flem has to say about Rodgers. I know what he has to say and I know what he wants to talk about. So in order to keep this show um interesting for our listeners, I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take an opposite approach here. Aaron Rodgers uh, was announced he won his fourth most valuable player award. Uh it was back to back. He won last year as well. Uh, and the first thing I want to say, uh, just to be completely transparent, Joseph Burrow is the MVP of the National Football League. Let's just let's just be obvious. The most important player in the National Football League right now is one Joe Burrow. Number nine, the guy who tore his ACL up last year. Headline in the Super Bowl this year. The definition of a comeback. He won comeback player of the year, but he shouldn't have won most valuable player of the year for the things that he's doing with the Bengals franchise right now. You guys already know who my personal MVP was. Uh, one Josh Allen, who was 
unfortunately, by the rules of the game, robbed of a chance to answer Patrick Mahomes' touchdown in the championship game. Uh, it wasn't the championship game in the semis. It was the semi round. Was not able to answer. And I would have loved to see what Josh Allen was packing if he had uh, got a chance to touch that field again. I would have loved to see what he would have been able to do if he would have answered that call Patrick Mahomes made with the touchdown strike to Travis Kelsey. But we'll never know. And uh, one thing we don't do on this show is talk about ifs and buts. Because uh, if my aunt had a dick, she'd be my uncle. So ifs and buts are meaningless. So I'm not going to talk about them here. They lost. Uh, hopefully they rally next year. I love to see him in the big dance, but not to get too far away from what I was talking about. Aaron Rodgers wins his second consecutive MVP. This season he put down around 4,100 yards, 37 touchdowns, and the, the big kicker was four interceptions. Only four interceptions, 37 touchdowns. Now, the reason I highlight 37 touchdowns is because Aaron Rodgers currently holds the record for most consecutive No, not consecutive, excuse me. Um, Most 40 touchdown seasons. Brady Brady may be in on that now uh, after this year. I'm not sure, but last time I checked, don't quote me, but last time I checked, Aaron Rodgers was the only quarterback in the National Football League to throw for 40 or more touchdowns at least three seasons. And he came up three touchdowns short of making that a fourth season and really solidifying uh, himself as... I mean, you know, one of the best guys to, to, to really drop back and do it. Uh, efficiency and skill and talent-wise. I mean, look, let's be honest. Aaron Rodgers lost he lost a good chunk of his fan base this year with his antics. Uh, a favorite movie of mine, Batman the Dark Knight. There's great saying in there by the... Uh, the character Two-Face before he becomes Two-Face when he's just Harvey he makes a a great statement great statement and that statement is as follows you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain Aaron Rodgers has lived long enough to see himself become the villain and that's what's happening right now. Aaron Rodgers, the guy who's a back-to-back MVP, 37 touchdown passes to four picks. He's not very liked right now, which is crazy when you think about it. Uh, they had another, what, 13-win season. But he's, his popularity is in the trash because the fact that he's a douchebag has really come to light. You know, this the, the pandemic has really given him a unique stage to uh, display just how condescending and how much better he thinks he is than everybody around him. Which is never an attractive quality, but let me say this. Let me say this. The thing about arrogance and that type of attitude, it's never never a good trait. It's never going to make people like you. Uh, You're not going to make a lot of friends, but when you're arrogant and condescending like that for noted reason it's different you know what I'm saying when the condescending douchebag that can't even keep a starting job like Robert Griffin the third 
is talking like that. I mean, you, you just you just can't stand them. You want to throw up. You want them off your television. But when the four-time MVP, Super Bowl-winning Hall of Fame quarterback who just threw for 37 touchdowns and four interceptions act like that, uh, you got to swallow it. You got to chew on it, and you got to swallow it because it's clear he knows something that somebody doesn't. He knows something somebody doesn't. Because he is a continuous, repetitive, regular season performer. I mean, what, 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 what do you do with that? When a guy, when a guy tells you he's better than you, then proceeds to take the field and show you that he is in fact better than you. I've always been a Rodgers guy, and I'll admit, much like everybody else this year, oh, he got on my nerves this year. Uh, he flat out lied about his vaccination status. Total lie. He then tried to cry that people were trying to silence him. This millionaire white man is being silenced. Which is just, I mean, one of the most preposterous things a a guy like Aaron Rodgers could say a white man like Aaron Rodgers could say they're trying to silence me that's probably one of the most preposterous um, just tone deaf Donald Trump-esque statements to make says people don't like him because of his vaccination status no Aaron it's because you lied but I'm not gonna rip Aaron though it's not what I'm here to do on this mic because um, my counterpart uh, I'm sure he's going to eviscerate him <laughs> he's not an Aaron Rodgers guy he's never been an Aaron Rodgers guy and I'm eager to hear his take but me as a Rodgers guy uh, all I can say man is uh, what can you do about it He's lived long enough to see himself become the villain. And I know what people like to do. You like to tear down uh, Aaron Rodgers' playoff stats. Because let's be honest, they're not that sexy. He's currently 11-10 in the playoffs with the most recent loss to the San Francisco 49ers, manned by the barely, barely competent Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Floppolo is what I like to call him because he's going to give that ball away. And he lost to him. But here's the thing I'd like everybody to remember The guy The guy everybody loves to suck off One Brett Favre Guy who's shooting his wang to cheerleaders Old fucking man shooting dickies to cheerleaders The Wrangler man himself The guy every The guy every The white man's white man That's what I call Brett Favre Brett Favre's a white man's white man he was only 13 and 11 in the playoffs. Aaron's 11 and 10. He can still, you know, he can still be Brett Favre. He's not performing terribly different than Brett Favre. Now, Brett Favre didn't lose in Lambeau. I believe Favre was 8 0 at Lambeau. Rodgers is 5 and 3 at Lambeau in the playoffs. Just still respectable. You know, you go into Lambeau, there's an over 50% chance that you're going to lose this game. It's not bad. 
Five and three is not bad. And then get this. In the postseason, he's thrown 45 touchdown passes to 13 interceptions in the postseason. Out of his 10 playoff losses, four of them came in overtime in which he did not receive the ball. Four of his four of his 10 playoff losses came the way my boy Josh Allen took one. A hard pill to swallow. You made it to OT. The opposing team takes possession. They drive down the field and score, and the game is over. And that's what I never agreed with in football. Everybody's always like, oh, the other team should have a chance to touch the ball. This. To me, I don't understand. It's one Football overtime is one of them situations when a, Ameri- a sport that's only played in America, getting too cute, getting too controlling, doing too much. I don't understand why, there ha- why is there different rules in overtime. Throw some more time on the clock and let these guys finish duking it out. Basketball keeps it simple. We reached the, we reached the end of regulation. Both of you guys clearly got smoke left. You're still getting after it. You still want each other. You still you still got more in the tank. But it can't be much. We just played a full game. Can't be much. Slap some more time on the clock and see what happens. Why, why is there new rules in overtime? Why is football overtime not just three more minutes? You guys tied. We'll flip a coin for possession. And now you got three more minutes. I don't see why there needs to be all these weird scoring rules and sudden death and stuff. You know, football, it's, it's such an American sport in every way, man, from top down, from the racism up top to the senseless stuff that happens at the bottom. Uh, it's an American sport. But I won't get too far away from my point is that four of Aaron Rodgers' 10 playoff losses, you know, he didn't have a chance to strike back. He, he was on the bench. It's four of them. Meaning that he has only six straight, 11 wins and six straight up losses. Four OT losses in which he didn't touch the ball. I don't know, man. Aaron Rodgers is a dick. He's a douchebag. He's not very likable. But the numbers and the play do not lie. He's the guy. He's the guy. And he's also doing this in Green Bay. The Milwaukee of the NFL. The Portland of the NFL. The New Orleans of the NFL. Who's going to Green Bay? What big name free agents are eyeing Green Bay? One of the best guys to ever toss a pill is calling the signals over there in Green Bay. And nobody wants to go there. No wide receiving talent wants to go there. And people, and you can try and say it's because oh, Aaron Rodgers is probably a dick. He's probably a terrible teammate. But Devontae Adams seems satisfied. Devontae Adams seems like he loves him some Aaron Rodgers. So I leads me to think any other big name guy who can make the catches, make the grabs, score the points, create separation. He'll probably get along with Rodgers too. Similar to how Brady gets along with all the good, you know, the good wide receivers. It's Green Bay. Nobody wants to go to Wisconsin. Nobody wants to be a cheese hit. Nobody wants to play in the frozen fucking tundra. 
Nobody wants to go to a team that doesn't have an owner to spend money to back his plays. Nobody wants to go there. So what do they got to do? They got to draft guys. They got to hit in the draft. They got to hit in the draft. And that's what he's working with. He's playing on a team that has to hit in the draft, can't really attract any free agents, and doesn't have a big-name owner to speak up on his behalf or back him. Now, that being said, he's still not with the ugliest bitch at the party or nothing like that. Green Bay can draft. As I said before, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Bakhtiari, Robert Tunyon ain't bad. They can draft. So he doesn't have anything to complain about. So this whole thing where he's talking about, uh, is he going to, you know, he's trying to critique whether or not he's going to leave or stay or play. Aaron Rodgers is coming back to the Green Bay Packers to play football. Because, I mean, retiring now, why? Retiring after you left... The year you left the worst taste in everybody's mouth, you're going to retire. Yeah, where are you going to go, man? That's the thing. People people always want to play the hand they wish they had instead of playing the hand they're dealt. I know the hand you wish you had, Aaron Rodgers. You got to play the hand you're dealt, man. It's not a bad hand. You won 13 games. I think y'all set a record for the most uh, double-digit wins or something like that. Like You, you don't got a bad hand. You didn't come with the ugliest bitch at the function. True. You got her. You, when, when you get her in the bedroom, she ain't the freakiest. She ain't the freakiest. Playoff time. You know, when you get her in the bedroom, she ain't the freakiest. All right, man. But uh, she's pretty much a 10 uh, everywhere else. You're about to reshuffle your deck. About to reshuffle your deck. She's got the body. She's got the face. She gets along with all the homies. The parents love her. She loves you for who you really are. She's your buddy. She really likes to hang out. She just might not be the freakiest in bed. You're leaving? You're really leaving? It's over for you? You're contemplating your options? Come on, Aaron Rodgers. I wish come on, son, was still a thing because I say that to Aaron Rod. Come on, son. You're going to run it back. You're going to load it up. You're going to run it back. But that brings me to my next topic. Speaking of Joe Burrow and speaking of the Green Bay situation in which they have to draft, um, I noticed something that I'm sure any other football fan uh, noticed. Or will can relate to, I guess, in a sense. But I just look at that. I look at this Bengals offense, and I think I'm going to be putting my money. Even even though everything in me says the Rams are going to win, I think I may be putting my money on the Cincinnati Bengals because, to me, this offense reminds me of the 2014 Seattle Seahawks defense. And you say stacks, that doesn't even make sense. What do you mean? I'm explaining it to you. That Seahawks defense was built through the draft. 
Bobby Wagner, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, uh, Byron Maxwell, Earl Thomas. I mean, just savvy picks in the draft culminated together to what? A top a top corner, a top safety, a top linebacker. All of this homegrown, all this home plucked talent uh, at the at the cheapest it'll ever be. That historic that historic defense, one of the best defenses the NFL has ever produced. Um, I wish I had the numbers here. I'm sure it was the most one had to be one of the most affordable. And they proceeded to go to the Super Bowl. Now they had now there were some differences. They had a 12 and 4 record. They were a premier team all year. They were poised to go to the Super Bowl, not like the Bengals. The Bengals were not a premier team all year and they were not poised to go to the Super Bowl. Started slow. But that Seattle Seahawks team went to the Super Bowl. And I and I proceeded to watch them play the best defensive game I've ever seen in my life. Probably the best defensive game I've ever seen in my life. They went up against the Denver Broncos. This was that year Peyton Manning, not the, not the boo-boo year Peyton Manning won, but the year Peyton Manning went to Denver and Peyton Manning was the fucking man. I threw 55 touchdown passes. He was the hottest thing smoking. I think he won an MVP. I mean, he was that was the year Peyton, that was like Peyton's Denver year was way better than Tom's Tampa year. Peyton, Peyton's first year in Denver was better than both both of Tom's years in Tampa Bay. I'm just gonna be honest. Peyton's first Peyton's that first year in Denver was better than Tom Brady's whole Tampa Bay experience, and it was a sh- it was honestly a shame they lost because Peyton was coming out week week after week slinging that fucking pill, man. It was no slow start. I mean, Peyton was tossing three totters a game. Peyton slinging it, man. He got to that Super Bowl, and he met them boys, and man, I have never seen a defense shut a team down like that. The final score was 43-8, and I don't even remember what the offense did. I think it was a bunch of Marshawn Lynch runs or something. I don't I don't know what Russell Wilson, I don't know who they did. I don't know what they did because the defense stole the show. They came out there so aggressive. Guys were scared. That's the first time I've ever seen grown men afraid to touch the ball because they were just hitting. If the ball came in your vicinity, they was knocking these guys out. I mean, these guys were getting creamed on every fucking play. I mean, even the, the they was blowing. I mean, these jokers were getting killed. Demarius Thomas was afraid to go over the middle. He was afraid to extend for catches because they were just... I'm not even sure if that defense would be legal in the NFL today the way they was laying jokers out. There was a fumble, and Peyton Manning was Peyton Manning was scared to go near it. He was pointing at the ball like, yo, one of y'all get it. Them niggas were hitting. And I just can't help but wonder if this very, if this Bengals offense, which has grown through the draft a rebuild 
the right way, the best, the best way. You get a first round draft pick wide receiver, a first round over number one overall quarterback. You had a guy like Tyler Boyd who came up. T Higg- Tyler Boyd, T Higgins. I'm not even talk about Tyler Boyd. T Higgins is a number one wide receiver. He's a wide receiver number one. You got your boy slugging Joe Mix. Throws a Tyson S right hook on a white bitch and drops to the second round. What a steal. The Washington football team said, no, we don't want any of that. We just sexually harassed the shit out of cheerleaders, but God forbid we take a flyer on this guy who socked the chick. And the police, the, the police tried to cover it up. I think his lawyer was the one that leaked the tape. I was like, if the lawyer leaked the tape, that means the local PD knew what happened. The local PD pulled up and seen it was Oklahoma Joe, and all of a sudden, guns got put away. Questions started getting asked. People started talking. There's a big game coming up. I mean, this wasn't, if you've seen the video, I mean, he slugged her. I'm not abdicating violence against women or anything like that, so I'm sorry I'm laughing, but I mean, he slugged her. To the point where I she I feel like she might have said nigger or something. She's like she I mean it was it was a clean one. And this first round talent running back fell to the second round, and the Cincinnati Bengals were able to grab him, and he's since been a workhorse and a bell cow back for them. I mean, the only thing they're missing is an offensive line. That's where all their draft picks should go this year. It's linemen. It's the only thing they're missing. But um, I don't know something about that Seattle Super Bowl that I had I did not think was going to go that way. I thought Peyton Manning was going to go in there and uh, proceed to pull his trousers down on this team like he's done every other team that year. And boy, howdy, uh, he pulled his trousers down, but it didn't go the way he thought it was going to go. He wasn't mooning anybody. Uh, can't help but feel like the Bengals may produce some of that magic, maybe. You know, maybe the Bengals go out there and just uh, Joey. Joey goes out there and tosses for another five. Joey tossed for five. I don't know if I've ever seen a 500 yard game like that. I don't think I've ever seen a 500 yard. I think that was the first 500 yard passing game I saw from a quarterback in the National Football League, especially like that. It was a 500 yard passing day and an ass kicking. It wasn't a close game. It wasn't something that went into overtime. I mean, I, I can't. I'm, I'm sitting here rambling, so I can't remember the team. But we remember the game. He, he blew the doors off him. He blew. Hold up, man. I'm about. I'm about to pull this up right now. <laughs> Give me one second, man. I'm about to pull this up right now because I, I. I need to. The Ravens. There it is. The Ravens. It was on the tip of my tongue. But I could. The Ravens. Torched him for 525, and it was not a close game. It did not go into overtime. He was, he was beating the dog shit out of this team. It was a Madden game. I've never seen anything like that. Me personally, I'm sure it's how ha- I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm saying I have never witnessed a game like that in which a guy throws for 500 passing yards in a contest in which it's not even competitive. He's just handing out an ass whipping, but it's just so much time. We're not going to stop passing. So, uh, 
It's hard to bet against an unpredictable factor like that. An unpredictability factor that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase bring to the football field. It's hard to bet against. Even though the Rams are the more buttoned-up organization. And my, my, my heart and my mind tells me the Rams are going to win. And, 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 and that's the unique thing about this Super Bowl. There's no villain. It's not a Tom Brady Super Bowl. There's no villain. If the Rams were to win, that's still another feel-good story. Matthew Stafford, whose loyalty to Detroit potentially may have cost him a Hall of Fame nod. Finally getting the ring he deserves. He deserves. Doing that Dame Lillard crap down there in Detroit, screwing around. Gets himself a good head coach. An organization with his goddamn head on straight and some first round draft pick players around him. He's in a Super Bowl. OBJ getting the ring. That brings me to my next topic I want to talk about. One Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, always been an OBJ guy. I'm just going to come out and say that first. I've always been an OBJ guy. Uh, ever since the Ever since the catch. Ever since the and that was the first the catch was the first and one I ever saw on the football field. That was an and one. He was he was pass interfered grotesquely, but still grabbed the pass for a touchdown. So I take that back. That was that was a, that was an egregious statement. I've seen a lot of and ones in the football. I've seen a lot of them, but that was just the sexiest and one I've ever seen. Where you're looking at the play and you're just like, oh man, pass interference. And then you, to the point you almost look off the play And then you look back and you're like oh shit he caught that The catch was great I've been a fan of him ever since But the thing, thing I want to talk about about OBJ man Is that OBJ grew up a bit Right in front of our eyes And nobody said anything When he was an immature diva He was getting fucking reamed When he was over there Fighting with the net Cussing motherfuckers out Losing his mind over there on the sideline. Basically pulling a Tom Brady, but we're not going to go into that. Uh, he was basically acting like Tom Brady on the sideline. But, you know, we'll, we'll leave that one alone. Uh, he was getting reamed. Playing with sorry-ass Eli Manning. Sorry-ass Eli. He put them numbers up with sorry-ass Eli Manning. Nobody wanted to talk about that. That was a DeAndre, a DeAndre Hopkins-esque feat. Putting up, putting up those type of numbers with Eli Manning, a guy who's going to make the Hall of Fame on a technicality. But they got sick of his antics, like they do with uh, wide receivers, like they did with my man, my personal favorite player of all time, Randy Moss. Minnesota got sick of his antics, and they shipped him to Oakland to die. That's what happened with New York. New York got sick of his antics. And they shipped him to Cleveland to die. This guy spent three years in Cleveland. Three years. Played 29 games for the Browns. Spent three years after playing in New York and developing his brand and his face as a world to, you know what I mean? After his career in New York blew up, he was the only thing in New York because Eli Manning was not worth watching. 
And the last big name receiver they got Shot his fucking self in the club He wore sweatpants to a club Brought a gun and shot his fucking self That was the last Big name guy Oh well then there was Victor Cruz I guess But you know what happened to him He gets shipped out of there for Xandix And he goes to Cleveland to die He spends three quiet years in Cleveland And that's what I want to talk about Quiet years Those three years in Cleveland Unlike my boy Randy Moss Randy Moss only spent two years with the Raiders And Randy Moss uh, It was widely Commented on his lack of effort Said he made it plain and clear He didn't want to be there He didn't want to play for Oakland And he gave no effort he was running dummy routes He was giving half his ass He didn't want to be there We didn't hear any of that About Beckham And I for one Find that amazing To be a wide receiver uh, For Baker Mayfield And in three years Not have one sound bite About your experience there One gripe One hot take Three years of Baker Mayfield's passes and injuries, of course. And then his dad posts a video and LeBron James co-signs that video and suddenly Beckham's a bad guy. Suddenly, we're asking if it's, is it cool to root for Odell Beckham? And I'm just curious, when did, when did we stop liking Odell Beckham Jr.? When did that happen? Because Baker Mayfield sucks? (laughs) Because Baker Mayfield has a top rushing attack? Two big, huge tight ends? One Jarvis Landry? One Odell Beckham Jr.? And he can't do anything? In three years, he can't do anything? He's, He's having seasons in which he throws... 21 touchdowns and 22 interceptions? But Odell's a bad guy because his dad got fed up and said, I'm going to do something about this shit? Because he knew he couldn't publicly trash Mayfield or ask out because why? Those type of antics got him shipped out of there that's that's what happened those antics landed him on the browns in the first place so when faced with a situation where it was so much easier to go back to your old ways you got a guy that's doing worse than you got a team that's better than the team you were just shot off from and there's a guy who's doing worse than Eli Manning what kind of conundrum is that my team got better but the quarterback got worse and now all my numbers are in the shithole and on top of that I'm getting hurt all the time I'd love to see Beckham get a ring I know I just talked about the Bengals, but I would love to see Beckham get a ring because my guy, my man, my boy, Randy Moss, spent those two years in hell, 05, 06 on the Raiders, and then uh, one Thomas Brady went and gra- they went and grabbed him. Bill Belichick went and grabbed him. They made a move for him. It was, they got him. And then that 07 year, he proceeded 
to have the best statistical season of his career and set the wide receiver touchdown record. 22 totters he caught. Helping Brady throw for 50, the first and only time in his career. Brady threw for 50 touchdown passes. 22 of them things were to Randy Moss. After two years, after being shipped off from his team and two years left to die, he picks up and he, he, he picks up right where he lets off with a great, with a better quarterback and gives you a great year of production. And they ultimately lost in the Super Bowl. The only Super Bowl he ever went to. They ultimately lost. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? Three years on the Browns. He's picked up. And it's the perfect opportunity to show what he can still do. And now they're headed to the Super Bowl. Uh, that's another reason I'm going to be betting on the Bengals. Because history tells history tells me uh, OBJ's not going to win. I don't know. For you superstitious folks out there, this is very similar to Randy Moss's 2007 year and uh, in which he had an amazing year, but he did not take home the ring. But the same argument can be made for Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup had, he, you know, he was the number one guy this year. So, I don't know. I don't know. Just wanted to give a shot. Just, just. Just wanted to speak on that, man. Nobody gave OBJ his flowers for doing his dirty time and understanding why he was ousted and doing his dirty time in the Browns. And, uh, you know, he, he he deserves it. I see people saying that he's going to play. He's played himself into a big payday. Um, I don't know. Uh, if I'm him, if the Rams offer me at least decent money, I'm staying put. Uh, at this stage in your career, meaningful football, I'd imagine, is more important since you're doing things like taking your salary in Bitcoin, which, you know, got slashed to shreds. I think Bitcoin was at 60,000 something when he, when he made that deal, it dropped to 30. Uh, your contract got blown up. Maybe a guy like that just playing to play meaningful football. I don't know, but, uh, I'm happy to see, High-end receiving talent doing what it's supposed to do. I'm glad to see it was wasted talent. Beckham on the Browns was wasted talent. Talent being wasted. There's nothing worse than that. You're playing in an incompetent organization with a terrible quarterback. And you're still a great wide receiver. I knew people were thinking, does Beckham still have anything left in the tank? I was like, of course he fucking does. Did you not see what Randy Moore? Of course he has more in the tank. He's on a stupid team. He's on a stupid team with a guy that sucks throwing the ball. (laughs) I'm not surprised in the least bit at what Beckham has done on the Rams. Not surprised. If only thing surprises me about the Rams is Cooper Cup taking the triple crown. That was surprising. But Matthew Stafford doing well on the Rams did not shock me. Odell Beckham doing well on the Rams does not shock me. It should not shock you either. So, definitely hope Odell, Odell re-signs with the Rams. Uh, if they have an over-under on that in Vegas, um, or a, a, a plus or minus or whatever, I, I'm putting I'll put fifty down on that. That Beckham resigns with the Rams. You heard it here first. Win or lose, he will sign a modest contract with the Rams. Robert Woods will be the wide receiver three. 
then Van Jefferson will be hitting the field a whole lot less. It's my prediction there. Um, like I told you at the beginning, we're playing with titles here, but um, we're going with real. As of right now, this is the inaugural episode of Real Nonsense. Stacks and Flynn present Real Nonsense. And the reason we call it Real Nonsense is because every episode, we're going to end with a segment called You Fucking Guessed It. Real Nonsense. I'm going to queue up some sounds or some shit for it later. Like I said, you guys are getting the inaugural process. We're taking it. We're taking you through it with us. You're going to see us grow. But, uh, yeah, man. We're going to wrap it up with the Real Nonsense segment. And uh, who else better than Dan Snyder? Dan Snyder owner of the Washington Commanders <sighs> repeat after repeat after repeat sexual offender clearly I mean sexual lawsuits swirl this organization from top to bottom like none other and the craziest part is then usually you know it comes from the top, but it's usually not the very top. I mean, we're at the the guy on the top of the pyramid is having a collage of topless cheerleaders put together to shoot around with his boys. Pornography. Pornography of women that work for the organization without their knowing is being created and shot around in text messages. The culture Dan Snyder promotes is so so vile and toxic that a guy who didn't even play for the team i mean didn't even he, he didn't wasn't even involved in the organization and john gruden lost his job for interactions he was having with our then team president emails he was sending to a guy in our building were so venomous it cost him his job at his building this is the culture dan snyder promotes and now when the team is being under congressional investigation for sexual misconduct allegations, Dan Snyder himself is under investigation for sexual misconduct. I mean, it'd be hilarious if it wasn't so fucking sad. And the NFL says that they're going to handle the NFL says they're going to handle the Dan Snyder investigate the, the, the sexual Misconduct allegations against Dan Snyder specifically will be handled by the NFL. But see, I'm going to let you in on a little something I know. The reason they're going to be handled by the NFL, they tried to say that as if the NFL is taking it seriously. But you're going to hear it here first. I have it on very good authority. I've got a, I've got a homie who's, uh, let's just say he's, he's, uh, he's sworn in to a very powerful powerful family this powerful family like all powerful families knows a lot about powerful people we're just gonna leave it at that and uh through this connect he told me you know in conversations dan snyder came up and this very powerful person that he's plugged in with uh basically proceeded to let him know that dan snyder is not and will not be going anywhere because of the leverage he has on the other 31 owners. Apparently, Dan Snyder. 
I don't know. I don't know what naked pictures he's got. I don't know whose mistress he's got on. I don't know what it is Dan Snyder has, but apparently he knows so much that it is widely known amongst powerful people that the other 31 owners will not turn on him by any means. And that is how he has managed to take sexual allegation after sexual allegation and stay standing. I mean, he is eating them joints. He's 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 doing them. He's, he's not even eating them. He's doing the Matrix on. He, I mean, this guy built a glass stair in his facility so that people can look up women's skirts. And that's how I know this is good information. This is credible information because who would be so bold to do the things and condone the things that Dan Snyder does, um, except for a guy who believes he's untouchable. That's when you learn. That's when you get to see who people really are. When they believe they're untouchable. Have a guy go into the court and a judge tell him, hey, man, you've got diplomatic immunity. Can't prosecute you here on U.S. soil. As long as you're here on U.S. soil, you can shoot a guy. Uh, Worst we can do is send you back to your home. Worst Worst we can do. You got diplomatic immunity here. It could be somebody you know in your whole life. I guarantee you they start changing. Why? Because they have power. Not just regular power, but real power. And uh, apparently that's what Dan Snyder has. On either, if not all the other 31 owners, but enough of the other owners that it is widely known that there is no scenario in which they will ever band together to oust Dan Snyder. And Roger Goodell uh, clearly doesn't have the power to oust Dan Snyder. Or I feel like he probably would have already. Look at Adam Silver in the NBA. Donald Sterling, I mean, I'm gonna. This may be a hot take, but I, I feel like Donald Sterling got railroaded, kind of. I mean, what did he do? Yeah, he said some racist shit, but I mean, it was the the racism stemmed from his hatred of Magic Johnson, and he was telling his side bitch, "Don't bring that motherfucker to my games." His his racism was emotionally charged by the fact that this six foot ten black man. Maybe giving it to this super fine bitch my old ass ain't have no business with. <laughs> I mean, look at Donald Sterling. You mean to tell me a guy like that isn't insecure? And look at the chick. I mean, let's just be honest. I'm not condoning anything he said, but his franchise was taken from him. Essentially, because he was telling his side bitch to stop fucking with Magic Johnson and stop bringing him to his games. And he lost his team. John Gruden lost his job just because of some emails he was having with the Washington organization. But the guy at the top of the pyramid, the head of the guy, the top of the organization is perpetuating a culture of continual 
sexual misconduct and it's been on record and it's been on file for years and nothing has happened I would venture that nothing can happen so of course the NFL wants to handle this investigation of course they do of course they do because if some outside party handles this investigation and they find out, I mean, if this is the kind of stuff coming to light, imagine the kind of stuff behind closed door. Imagine the shit Dan Snyder is saying on a day-to-day basis. Imagine the shit Dan Snyder is doing on a day-to-day basis if this is the stuff coming to light. And a third party or some other organization or a, a, a legal lawful organization, government institution looking into him, it's not only going to find all these things, they're going to report all these things. And then it's going to put people in a very awkward, an even more awkward position. So I believe that's why the NFL wants to handle the investigation. Because they want to do damage control. Because Dan is putting them in an awkward ass position. Your organization is under congressional review for its sexual misconduct. And you are currently under review for your own personal sexual misconduct. It's nonsense man It's what the fuck it is It's fucking nonsense Real nonsense Inaugural episode. Start of something great. Start of something great. It's Flim. We getting at you. I promise you. Real nonsense. Real. Nonsense. Rebranded. Better show. Just came off stacks. Great take on Beckham. Had to add that on the fly. Which is the beauty of that. Put that in. It's a good take on Beckham. It's got past, present, future. It's a good capsule of uh, of what's going to be NFL history. That guy's going to be in NFL history. I mean, that dude, that dude can just flat out play. But uh, we'll talk talk some Beckham. Talk some Patrick Ewing. And the terrible job that's uh, that he's doing at Georgetown. I mean, you can hire me to do what uh, Patrick Ewing's doing right now, and I do it for uh, far less price. But 
want to start here. I want to start here. Free promo. Uh, free promo to... To... Inspired by Faith. Uh, that's an organization that I've been affiliated with. And uh, genuinely from the heart, they do uh, community service work. And um, just genuinely from the heart and good people. So, Inspired by Faith. want to plug that. So that's free promo. Let's talk teammates. Is that a skill? Because this is my thing with the uh, immeasurables, right? It at times can be If if a measurables are used improperly by someone who cannot present an intelligent or strong argument, they sound terrible. That's that's what I want to capsulize first. Because um being a good teammate is an immeasurable. What what does that mean? You look back in in, in the titles that the Bulls won. People People who've played on that team said Michael Jordan was a terrible teammate. They don't like Michael Jordan. However, Michael Jordan took those people to the heights of success. Um, and and I would say that, not even say that, firmly, Michael Jordan paved the way for those players and the status that they have in life. So being a teammate can be looked at both ways. That maybe being a great one uh, and your teammates remember you as a great one is something good. And maybe be not being a great one is uh, okay and passable too in the Michael Jordan part, right? Being a teammate is one of those things that falls into the intangible category. Now remember Michael Jordan, I'm going to bring him back. In the intangible category, it's it's a reason, and I and I promise you, it's it's got it's the reason pro sports exist are intangibles. To the root of it, it's intangibles. That's why when guys flame out, it's a story. Because intangibles are manners, in a sense. Intangibles are standards. Intangibles are bases and floors. And a higher floor, I value over a higher ceiling. Because I know what I get with a floor. A ceiling is a, is a bet. It's a gamble. It's a proposition. So spin it to Michael Jordan. With Michael Jordan, you have people that felt like his intangible ability, when you look back at it, wasn't being a teammate. Because he was a me guy. Michael Jordan is looked at as the best basketball player of all time. And I think that's why he was able to overcome 
not having the strength of that intangible value of a teammate. Michael Jordan could only become uh, overcome not being a great teammate by being the best basketball player in the world. Kobe Bryant, who also, while alive, was looked at at times as not a great teammate, found the only solution to that was to go out and try to become the best basketball player in the world. And he's a smart guy. I dare you to sit down and say, Kobe Bryant's not. That guy's not. He's a really smart guy. And he had sat down and said, well, the only way I could play the way that I play and be analyzed as selfish is uh, go ahead and be the best player in the game. That was his solution to the problem. So I say that to say, with the longest intro in the world, (laughs) Aaron Rodgers, man. I bring this to the Aaron Rodgers MVP. The Aaron Rodgers MVP is not hollow by any stretch. I, I, I won't do that to him. But what I will say is overall, through the years, Aaron Rodgers is a horrible teammate, and he lacks that intangible. And the reason Aaron Rodgers really couldn't avoid being lost by history, because he will be, he'll be Dan Marino. 40 years, he'll be Dan Marino. We'll be talking about him. People hearing this this, this audio right now, we'll be talking about him. Kids won't be talking about Aaron Rodgers. Man, kids won't be talking about Aaron Rodgers. Come on, man. Kids kids won't be talking about Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady. Kids are kids are kids are kids are not gonna be talking about Aaron Rodgers. I'm telling you, they're not. One championship, Aaron Rodgers. I saw him beat the Cardinals that time. They're not. They're not. Herbo. And he's a fool if he thinks he's going to. I'm, we're going off script. He's a fool. I had a whole script. Fuck the script. We're, he's a fool if he thinks he's going to the Broncos. It's going to make noise in that division. He's already lost it. Chargers will wear him out. Herbo's better than him. Chiefs will wear him out. Home's better than them. Raiders will wear them out. Added a 12-year coach. Uh, added a guy that was with Tom Brady 10-plus years. Considered one of the, if not one of the best offensive minds. Man. Not that Rodgers is bad. Not that Rodgers is bad. Rodgers ain't it. And it is being a teammate. It's not being the me guy. It's not being the, oh, you got to earn my trust guy. It's guys like Garoppolo who find success in this league, who get farther in the playoffs 
on more occasions than Rodgers. It's guys that are renowned for, hey, you know what? May not be the best guy, but I'd be damned if they're not a teammate. And 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 and, and this is it. I'm, I'm not a racial guy in, in any way where I bring like a lot of race and stuff. But I will point this out racially. Cam Newton is really frowned upon for having the same personality. Him and Aaron Rodgers have the same personality. Aaron Rodgers has a – he's one – I don't know any other quarterbacks besides Cam Newton with the uh, first down point or or the Superman uh, chest break. One, one or two. I think the first down point is a little more uh, indicative of Cam because he, of course, scored more first downs than touchdowns. But he has a move, and Aaron Rodgers has a move. I don't know any other quarterback. I don't know any other quarterback. And not that it's wrong to have a move. But you look at Cam Newton a lot of times, and people look at Cam Newton with with that he speaks for himself sometimes. And I think I think players, especially like it's the, that reunion back in Carolina when Cam did play well in that first game. Now, granted, it went all downhill. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but but I think players gravitate to Cam as a teammate. And then you look at Aaron. I mean, Aaron's Aaron's. Is he that? But his behavior is that, right? His behavior is the same as Cam. His his behavior is a little, you know, I'm, I'm a flashy, flary quarterback. And when, and when people look at Aaron Rodgers, like, oh, it's Aaron Rodgers. He's you know, he's yelling in the cameras, I own you, and all these things. You know, that's Aaron Rodgers, right? But you look at Cam Newton a lot of times, it's like, oh, it's Cam's problem. His body language. He's not a good teammate. He's not, he's not these things, right? But I say that to say they're the same guy. I mean, they're the same guys on the podium. They really are. They're the same personality of quarterback. But but my other point is that Aaron has this level of the arrogance where it's kind of impossible to break through because it, it, it really rubs people seemingly the wrong way. Because even in my opinion, I think Cam Newton is just more well-received. He was a he was a quarterback that was he was the worst option probably for the team. He probably stepped over a guy that deserved him, uh, was more deserving of a chance just to get out there and, and, and fuck around for four games. <laughs> and he probably took a chance out of somebody's hands that they'll never get again. But 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 I, it, it, it's not about all that. But but to bring it full circle, Aaron fucking Rodgers winning the MVP is indicative of who he is. Like, that's who he is. He's the guy... He's the guy that beat up on Jay Cutler. He's the guy that beat up on Jay Cutler. He beat up on who? Sam Bradford, Case Keenum, Kirk Cousins. And and Kirk actually kind of has his number. I, I can't even put Kirk in that. I think Kirk's career record is four and four and something against him. But Kirk's won some games. Kirk won the game this year against him. He broke the winning streak. But my point is, he's been playing against for those Bears he owns. Man, for those Bears he owns. That that's the thing. It's the arrogance. It's the brazen arrogance that I can't get with. It's it's that part. 
it, it's really that that Aaron doesn't throw the guys. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron's, Aaron's telling the team he owns them. I mean, who are you really owning, man? Like, like, like that's the thing. It's quarterbacks out here really playing football and really playing ball in some tough, real competitive divisions and leagues, man. Not, well, not leagues, but but really competitive divisions. And my point being that him sitting there talking about he's whooping up on the Bears when really the Bears' best quarterbacks, I'm going to name the Bears' best quarterbacks in the last 20 years, just straight off top to you. And, and you tell me if this is really worth owning. This is the problem with the dude. He's going, he cares more about himself. And that's his problem. And that's why he's not successful in the bigger picture. He's all right. He's checkers. Checkers is great. Checkers is good. It tastes delicious, but it's not a big chain. It's just not. It doesn't get it done in the slam dunk category. He's checkers. He's, he's boasting his chest for beating Jay Cutler, Mitchell Trubisky, Rex Grossman, Kyle Orton, Jim. Who the fuck is Jim Miller? I don't even know if he played against Jim Miller. Uh, Sean, I don't know. If you, Sean Matthews, he did play against him. Josh McCown. Man, I'm done. Nick Foles. I'm done. But the point is, man, you didn't play anybody on the Bears. Yeah, you did own the Bears because the Bears can't pick quarterbacks. You didn't have any competition. Let's go to the Vikings. I mean, straight up, the Vikings, best quarterback he played against throughout that. Dante Culpepper, Kirk Cousins, Brad Johnson. Come on, man. Brett Favre. Favre whooped your ass. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Christian Ponder. Come on, man. Sam Bradford. You beating up on nothing, man. Case Keenum. Tavares Jackson. Come on, man. I'm done. I'm done. Matt Castle, Donovan McNabb, all through these eras. Man, I'm telling you, man. And then you played Matt Stafford. And Stafford gave you everything you wanted. And he was just on a terrible organization. Stafford's a better quarterback than you. Not talent-wise, but that's where those intangibles come into play. Because Stafford's a better quarterback than you. When you include it all. When intangibles matter. Skill-wise, you beat them, especially in mobility. But you don't beat Stafford. You don't go to the Rams and do what Stafford did. Stafford grinded. People look at Stafford. Guy. Embodied the idea of Detroit. He's a guy that gets a lotto ticket. You love him. You love to see the guy with that big check. You love to see the guy with that big check holding it. Because it embodies the idea. The idea that if you work hard and you keep your head down, good things and good things will find you. That's Matt Stafford. It's a great story. I got the Bengals in the game, but damn, it's going to be a great story if Matty wins one. I promise you that. He could get dibs on the Matty. I, I feel like we should give him dibs on the Matty. I don't know what it, I don't even know his nickname. I don't know if Stafford has a nickname. I think he's just Stafford. <laughs> he should be able to take the Matty Ice nickname off Matthew Ryan. Um, but I mean, I say that to say like, you're to me, Rogers doesn't go to Rams and do that. 
He's not that kind of guy. Garoppolo, team guy. Wilson, team guy. It's team guys that win. Brady, team guy. Brady, openly lobbying for players. Team guys. Not that Rodgers ain't lobbying for players. But Rodgers is a guy that openly has bias towards players on his own team. It's openly known. You need That's probably where I've really got off the Rodgers train. When I ever heard that he openly is letting people know, like, yeah, if you don't have my trust, the ball's not coming your way. That's not good football. That's not winning football. That's not winning mentality. It's not it, man. That ain't it, man. Uh, you know, last minute we'll break, close out on Rodgers, but that's not it. I, and I can't subscribe to that. Aaron Rodgers, if he goes to the Broncos, good luck. Because there's two quarterbacks definitely better than you. And another one at this point in your league, I mean, at this point, at this point in your career, I think y'all are comparable. I could definitely argue Carr is Rodgers. A few more mistakes. That's the thing, man. What you want from Rodgers, right? What you want a guy that gets shut out touchdown-wise in a, in a playoff game? Is that what you want? Do you want a guy that can't ever see the fault in his own leadership tactics and the way that he sees the game? Aaron Rodgers sees the game for himself. Aaron doesn't see the game like good players. Take some risks. Brady threw two picks against the Washington football team. We suck. We were one of the fewest teams in turnovers. Uh, or causing turnovers, whatever stat is, but whatever. Enforcing turnovers. We, we were we were at the bottom of the league in that category. We took two picks off Brady. You know why? Because Brady takes chances. And Brady's not playing for stats. Maybe at times. And he's that good. Where he can play for stats. He can get Gronk a, a, a bonus. But the, the idea that Aaron Rodgers, you can really look at and say, just, you know, he, he took his foot off the gas, man. You know, he got picked off and. Aaron. Congratulations on that MVP. Uh, <laughs> congratulations on that personal award. Come back. I'm going to talk to Patrick Ewan. And, and why that's just not working in Georgetown. Don't go nowhere. Man. Real nonsense. Got a head so big, it explodes. You said you gon' put me to death when you see me. You said that. You said that. You said you gon' do me the worst. I remember you right when you said that. You said you gon' kiss from my neck to my chest to my neighbor, then digging nuts. We talked about everything. Now you know that we got us from making up. I
is all And I know you're wrong A real one for sure I won't feel your coke, I won't feel lipo, oh no no Oh yeah yeah, oh yeah yeah, oh yeah yeah Look at that's that right now, that's that right now Real nonsense Flynn Second hour We going, uh, Patrick Ewan Whoa let me say this. I met this lady though. I just I just want to tell you this. I met this woman, right? Uh and we we were just having this conversation. And she was an older woman, uh 60s, mid 60s, maybe 70. Uh and she started giving me she was, she was sharing a lot Put it that way She was sharing a lot Especially about her views And things like that But uh, The part that really uh, Resonated with me Was When she brought up some uh, Some re- She made it a point to, to let me know she wasn't racist Right And I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, what do you say when someone says that? You know, when someone looks at you like, hey, I'm not racist. You're, what do you look? You look back at them. You, you got a little square in the eyes. You're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I take that as, I mean, <laughs> I mean, literally, someone, someone looks you square in the eyes and they're just like, you know, it's because I'm not racist. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, does that and I'm I give the okay energy and then she just feels the need to cement the story with an example. And her example is because uh she came up around the time of the Vietnam War. Uh a Vietnamese woman this is her and this is me quoting her. This is not uh this is not uh anything anything fabricated. She says the, the 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 woman finds refuge on some boat, and, and long story short, from which sounds, I don't know, maybe this was happening back then, I don't know, but she says from Viet Cong, she is on a boat and comes over to California, and then her quote about California is, because it's funny, she has this she has this ad lib on California. She says, yeah, and the girl comes over and lands in California, back when California was good. I was like, okay, that means back when, back when it was a red state. Okay, uh, and I was just—it's so funny because I'm, I'm. This is pre, before she drops the the super racist bomb. Like that's just funny, but that was the lead up. I'm like, all right, okay, back in California was good. So long story short, uh, she gets to the part where like the Vietnamese woman and her meet, and she says, oh, I heard her story, and I felt so bad for her, and you know. This is how I knew I just had a good heart and I was just a good person. And now I'm paraphrasing. Uh, but she cemented on the part to where she made it clear that she wasn't racist because she allowed that woman to come clean her house. She said, if that woman wants work, I'll let her come clean my house. Yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll let her come clean my house and she cleaned my house and, you know, it was spotless. No exaggeration. She says she was getting up on the counters. 
She was cleaning at the top. And, and I'm going to tell you this, y'all. This story has nowhere. This story's going nowhere. I'm just letting you know how racist this lady is. <laughs> if you're waiting on a punchline or a moral, no. No way. No. This story, no. story has nothing like that. No. This is a five-minute story of the most racist woman I ever met. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's all this is. So, uh, yeah, she, she, uh, one of, one of her other highlights was that where she said, yeah, you know, she was getting up on top of the counter. She was cleaning. Man, she was basically, now this is a paraphrase, but she was basically saying, uh, you know, she, this motherfucker was cleaning, cleaning better and harder than anybody I'd ever came across. Uh, and I'm gonna be real with you, ladies and gentlemen. That's racist. That's racist. That's fucking racist, man. It's racist to perceive other races as being better at servitude. <laughs> because there's no... The only thing that dictates the uh, skill of servitude is the level of devotion. And that's the racist part about it. So maybe this did spin into something that's, that's, that's heartfelt or whatever as a philosophical whatever. Wasn't intended to be that way. But that's the only thing I can point to that. Servitude does the anyway, whatever. Patrick Ewan. Patrick Ewan. Patrick Ewan. Uh, he's doing bad. Like, really bad, though. I mean, really bad as the head coach of the Georgetown basketball team. It's fire him at any moment kind of bad. And, but the reason to that, though, he's he's breaking, like, tons of historical records uh, for losses. Like, he's hurting. College is one of the few sports I could. I'm like a pro sport. I, maybe I do. Maybe I don't fire a coach on, on some historical bad stuff. But college is one of those I do. Like, the school records. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're, they're effing school records. <laughs> like, they're, they're, the, they're the one thing that. The, that's the walk-on story. That's the story. The the uh, the the Madden twenty-two uh, 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 superstar mode is, is is based on. It's that feeling. You take that away if it's not that possible. That those records have to be achievable. So I say that to say, he is totally, totally, totally running this franchise. It's not a franchise. This school into the ground. This program. It's totally running the program into the ground. And he's just totally bombing out. And they're, they're still in the Big East. They can't go anywhere because they don't have football. And that's really the problem. I'll be honest with you. They don't have football. They don't have enough players that don't make the football team or play two sports. They don't have enough players to do that. They don't have enough great athletes. They don't. And they can't recruit. They can't. It's a law school. They can't. 
They can't. Not in this league. Not in this time. Not in this era. Not in this generation. They cannot compete. They can't compete. I mean, it's a law school. That's it. That lets you know. They were prestigious back when the conference was prestigious. I mean, I don't I don't even know what we really want from them, to be honest. No, no, to not be this bad. Like, they're bad. I mean, I've seen bad, but they're bad. I mean, they're bad. They're 0-11 in the conference. They've never been this bad. I'm going to name the teams they've never been worse than. They've never been worse than DuPaul. They've never been worse than Butler. St. John's and Seton Hall was that. Seton Hall had a fall like they're having. But this is the thing. Georgetown pride doesn't want to admit that they're now the new age Seton Hall. Seton Hall was a program back in the 80s. I mean, that was a school to go. Seton Hall had players back in the 80s. The problem is Georgetown doesn't realize they're the Seton Hall of the 2020s. Uh, Xavier, Georgetown over Xavier, uh, prestige-wise. Crittenden, Georgetown. Uh, Connecticut, yeah, even Marquette, 100% Georgetown. They're new to the conference, though. Uh, Villanova, that's about equal. Province, that's about equal. Everybody left, though. Syracuse, I mean, that's a whole nother spin. As far as Ewing, I mean, Ewing, I'm just going to put it this way. I'm going to let you form your own conclusion. I'm just literally going to factually report what Georgetown's doing. They're 0-11 in the conference. They haven't beat any of those teams that I named. Not one of them. Not one of them. They haven't beat one of those teams that I named. Those teams are all in their conference. All in the Big East. And Big East took a lot of talent out of it. The Big East. Jesus. All right. Here we go. Uh, All right. Here we go. When they got in the conference play. Jeez Louise, man. When they got in the conference play, here we go. Uh, Marquette beat them 92 to 64. And this is the thing you're going to see, y'all. And I'm going to just tell you now, I'm not going to play the guessing games with you. When you listen to these totals and you listen to what happened, you're really going to understand, oh, man, they're just not even playing. And this is on coaching. They're not even ready. They're not ready to play in this conference. They, they're not ready to play in this conference. To their defense, before I rack off these numbers, which are daunting, uh, they did win the Big East last year, which is saying nothing. I'll say that. And it's saying more that they're this terrible. It, it, it means nothing that they won it last year to me because the conference is already diluted and they took all the great teams out of it. And then the second part is it was a COVID year or whatever the fuck it was. But either way, it was a hollow it was a hollow winning of it. But anyway, whatever. Let's let's even give them the credit that they wanted. This year, they can't. They lost to all the conference teams that they played. That doesn't happen. That can't happen. You can't say you're a good coach and that happens. You can't not beat anybody that you have to play. You can't do that. That can't. Anyway. All right. Uh, let's just get into the... Let's just get into how bad... They are in what's reflective on coaching because the, the point discrepancy is going to be 
blatantly apparent about the coaching. 92 to 64 lost to Marquette. Welcome them to the fucking conference. They weren't even, they're not even original members of the conference. But anyway, and, and this is grinding my gears only because I hate to see any pro team, not pro team, but any prestigious team just go out like this. I mean, this was a prestigious program in a local program. It's another local program gone to the wayside. But anyway, uh, Butler stomps them out 72 to 58. St. John's, that's a classic rivalry. They're, they're one of the ones that stuck around. St. John's, again, though, they don't have the football teams. All the teams with football left. Syracuse beat Clemson in football, and you know what they did? They said, you know what, that one win, we beat Clemson? That one win? We're out of here. We got enough money to figure it out in another conference. And that's the other thing. It's easier to transition basketball than football. And that's it. Football's the key to all these colleges. All these colleges and all the college athletics and all the, the, the athletic dollars. Football is the key. Football dictates it. Butler, though, whoops them 72-58. St. John's, a classic rivalry, 88-69. A little more close game. Providence, uh, 63. They whoop them. All these are going to be losses, just so I don't have to uh, state them right. Uh, 83-75. Villanova, 85-74. Uh, oh, Connecticut. Here we go. 96-73. to This is a college game, y'all. This is just two halves. Let me say that, too. I mean... Legitimately, it's 48 minutes in the NBA. These teams are hitting 100 on these guys. I mean, they're hitting 100 on these guys. This is ridiculous. It was a, it was a, in 30 minutes, in 30 minutes, there was a team that was able to put 96 points on them. 96 to 73. They're just getting blown out every time they step on the floor. They're just getting blown out. I'm telling you. Two of those went. Two of those. Uh, two of those uh, victories I put was by an eight point loss and a, and a nine point loss. Everything else was by double digits. They're getting demolished every time they step out. They're not even putting up a competitive fight. And that's on coaching. Here we go. Though it's more. Uh, after the connect, after the uh, UConn loss, they dial in. They're playing against Butler again. They only lose by three points, 56 to 53. That's when coaching steps in. I'll give it that. You can see it on the scoreboard. Coaching, they preach defense. Hard game. Lost it. I'm not going to kill them for that. Play another hard game. Seton Hall, they end up losing by seven. But that can be competitive. That can just be free throws. Uh, then they just fall apart. And I feel why. Because when you do dial in and when you do listen to your coach and when you, when you do try to understand, like, all right, maybe if we start listening to him and maybe if we change things around, we'll work. You lose two hard-fought games, and they fell apart on that third. Here they come with the 90-77 uh, loss to St. John's. Again, the classic rivalry. The team is stuck around. Then they go – then lose by 19 points to Providence, 71-52. to then they go out there and lose by eight points to DuPaul most recently on the ninth, 82 to 74. They're bad. They're bleeding. 
you won't see Pat Ewan. But that's the thing, too. They may hold Pat Ewan around just because he's Pat Ewan. Just because he's got daggone Pat Ewan. They may hold him around and they may hold a spot for Patty just because he's Hall of Fame, NBA former assistant coach, Pat Ewan, Georgetown legend. You can't just fire Pat Ewan. You can't just walk in there and say, you know what, Pat, you coached your last game. Go ahead and clean out your office. Do you know who Patrick Ewan is? Do you know who he is, especially to that fucking... You're talking alumni? So there... That's the problem when you hire these coaches. They hired a coach that has way too much power. He's bigger than their program. I mean, you take that PR. I think the only thing that they do is 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 benefit off the PR window that's super short right now. But that's it. They're like a terrible, terrible school. Kick Pat Ewan out like that? I don't have a solution, but I'll tell you this. It ain't Pat Ewan. Pat Ewan can't coach in college. Pat Ewan's not a head coach, or at least he ain't the head coach of Georgetown. Shouldn't be. I'll tell you that straight up, because I can do that. I can I can lose 11 times in my conference. I can do that. And I can get on a bus with a bunch of players that are just better <laughs> than the teams I do have wins over. I can do that. I could. I promise you. I promise you. I pro. I. I fucking promise you. I could go on a college team, and I'm old enough now. <laughs> I'm old enough to hop off the bus and say, "Hey, look. Come on, focus. Bring it in. I'm. I'm telling you, I could do what Pat's doing, man." You know, when it came to real X's and O's and me playing conference opponents and not powder puffs, you know what I mean? When we're not playing Bowie State. <laughs> when we're not we're not when we're not playing Alabama. Alabama A uh, and uh, Alabama State. <laughs> when we're not playing Howard. Yeah. You and be you know what I mean? Like like it, it <laughs> we're when we're not playing Morgan State, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's ridiculous. I could coach Georgetown against Morgan State. I could do that. 100%. 100%. And win. 100%. They say I coached a hell of a game. Uh, we come back. I'm going to just let you know why. Yeah, I'm going to let you know. We'll close out. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely close out. I'm going to let you know why, though. Uh, Stack's take on Beckham was 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 uh, was one of them all-time ones. Because it was, it was really it was really one that makes you think and, and get in there. So don't go nowhere. We'll talk a little old Beckham. And we'll go ahead and close this thing out. I'm not like a bear man, but don't got no love Now you hear what I say, got the shit out the mud I'm not in the streets, I'm just close to the plug I just saw his mama, I gave up Ain't talking about the work, nigga, just had that supply That's stuff, a hundred rounds in the compact contact I probably found the beach from your hometown project Open up my mouth, but my dick on the side deck She don't get high, but she keep down the contact Then why I'm down to LF, keep the contact Get slow, get slow, nigga, can't find it Baby, we your mind it? Come here, girl, sign it Matter of fact, oh, never mind it Front door, find it After the climax, Turn me up, Josh.
I be with demons and yeah, I admit it. Get too high, gotta flush my kidney. Niggas be hoes, gotta mind my business. Call from the feds, they run up your minute. Watch these hoes, they'll do it for an image. Fuck four hoes, tryna turn me a stripper. I don't trust niggas, so I ride my nipple. Crush stuff faces, bust down M. Can't trust twice, cause it ain't that simple. Twist so down, I ride my nipple. Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr. That son of a bitch. <laughs> if he was ever a real life person, you'd just be like, that son of a bitch. That son of a bitch. It, any, you know what I mean? Like anything. Like, like, who, who crashed the car? Odell Beckham Jr. That son of a bitch. <laughs> who said that? Odell Beckham Jr. That son of a bitch. I feel like he just had... <laughs> Uh, real nonsense. Host Flynn. Final segment. Stacks gave a great take on uh, Beckham's career, though. That great microcosm. Love that word too. It's my word. But it does. It capsulizes. It's past. Great player in New York. Prolific. Player in New York Before there was Jamar Chase There was Odell Beckham Jr <laughs> For sure Before the, the world fell in love With Justin Jefferson There was Odell Beckham Jr I mean, That that can flat out play Flat out play Football player too For all the shenanigans For all the, the flashiness The stuff that people who casually watch the game Don't like Dude's a football player Oh, again, to the Rogers point early, I think he's different. I think he's a teammate. I think he has that intangible. I think he shows that to what he to what uh, to what Stacks pointed to in the uh, in the middle part. He does show that in Cleveland. He shows the ability to just be a good soldier. He's a good soldier to his time when he just realizes I'm not going to die for this army. I'm not going to die on the losing side. I'm not Benedict Arnold. It's just you got a bogus fucking general. You got somebody that can't lead. You got somebody that can't win. You're putting out inferior stuff. No, I'm not doing it. Not anymore. I served. I served my time. And now I'm going over to something else. To something that's really, that's, that, that, that's I'm going over to do something better. To really make a difference. Better analogy, he's a beat cop turning more so like probably like detective or something. It's like, you know, I, I could fuck around out here for 30 years in this patrol car. Well, I could go get me a desk job and really start solving some crimes. I could start hunting real criminals, damn. I'm going FBI in fucking six years, you know what I mean? So, but, but I say that to say he doesn't get enough credit for that. Uh, same to the Cam Newton point earlier, man. People look at the white guys that 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 are are controversial or um um just just overall not necessarily the the ideal pictures, but they, but they give them them the break. I think Beckham got a bad rap, and sometimes to a point. Not even sometimes to a point. I just think to the point. Some of that was probably based on race. Who's this 
I'm telling you this. Mainstream white America doesn't like them flashy, fancy pants niggers. And that's what he is. And and if there was ever somebody. (laughs) And if if there was ever somebody that would fit the, the description of flashy, fancy pants nigger, it'd be him. And that's not a knock on him, but just to his personality. It'll get you blackballed. Uh, and I think that's kind of what happened to him. I think uh, people really couldn't wait to, as good as he was, tear him down because he was comfortable being himself. Um, yeah, that, that that's, that's that's more my take on Beckham. But as far oh, the future, uh, the future part Stacks touched on, I do think he'll uh, firmly, I think he's found his home in L.A., He's an L.A. guy. I think he's back. I think he's happy. I think he's happy. I think Cleveland was a place that is more introverted. Uh, I found it unique that Dave Chappelle moved to to Cleveland. Uh, It spoke a lot about Dave Chappelle. That Dave wanted to not be uh, necessarily as mainstream as mainstream makes you. Um, Cleveland was a place that he felt he could do that in. Uh, I think it's telling that LeBron James grew up there which is natural for all athletes and most athletes anyway, to just feel like, you know what, I've had enough Cleveland. I'm going to branch out. Totally fine. But that makes sense too. Uh, it makes sense for Beckham to go to Cleveland in a sense. Now, granted, he was he was banished there, in my opinion, by the Giants. I think the Giants were like, ooh, there's a worse fucking situation we kind of send him in, not knowing team-wise, but I just mean like place-wise, like where he wouldn't want to go. Like I think – LA is a place that he embraces. I think that's a place that fits his personality. Where it is like, okay, he he, he can be out and flashy and he can just be one of you know what I mean? Like him 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 taking a piss on the side of a building would be a story in Cleveland. In LA it's it's just a picture someone's sharing on Instagram that got seventy eight likes. Like that's the difference. I think that's the difference, um, and I think that's what L.A. brings them. But great microcosm, uh, great microcosm on that. Stay tuned. Super Bowl recaps. Know those are coming. Uh, and a lot more on the slate. Uh, this was a good pilot. So uh, before we get out of here, I'm going to spin to this. And... I want to let, and I think this is something that gets blurred in life. I don't think a lot of times we are as mindful, mindful, as mindful as necessary with the company that we keep. And on a deeper level, sometimes the company you keep you necessarily well it's hard to create a separation from uh certain people most obviously your immediate family your immediate family 
creating a difference between you and your career or your professionalism or your circumstance. Put think of it this way. You you scratch off a winning lotto ticket. After the excitement settles through the first five minutes, you're going to think about your family. Now, granted, some of the thoughts will be about you giving them money. But there's going to come a point where across your mind, you're going to think about them asking you for money. Especially if it's a healthy son, right? So I say that to say you can't separate family from your success or your status or your money. So with that, it comes an assumed level of responsibility, especially towards the breadwinner. Common sense would say we should protect the breadwinner, the person who changed our lives forever for the better. And who made it so the one thing we don't have to think and worry about is money. That's generally how sane people think. But not Jackson Mahomes. Not Jackson Mahomes. If you don't know Jackson Mahomes, he's the brother, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Yep. That's who he is. He's the younger brother, Patrick Mahomes. He is, uh, it's a piece of work, man. I'll be honest with you. He's a piece of freaking work. But uh, Brittany Mahomes, who is Patrick's wife, she is also a piece of work. And... That's what makes these two worthy of being discussed. Because if it was just, if it was just Jackson, and honestly, even if it was just Brittany, like the sports world has seen this before. You, know, you get Doug Christie and his wife. I think she's the most extreme example. But you get crazy wives all the time. And you don't even hear about a lot of them. Uh, I forget the cornerback for the Dolphins, but she had a radio show and she was wild. I mean, she was wilding. She was fighting. She was fighting other women. She was fighting other women in, in like the parking lot of the Dolphins game. Like she was wilding. I mean, she was in the danger of just getting this man kicked off the team uh, on multiple occasions. But I say that to say, uh, it's been times in pro sports history where there have been. Uh, people detrimental to 
an athlete's uh, popularity and success. None like these two, though, who combined. These two became Batman and Robin. Alone, they were, uh, you know, formidable opponents. But together, man, these two are unstoppable. They're on a path to destroy this man's career off the field. I can't endorse them. If I'm a person with a top billion-dollar product, this man is the most popular quarterback in the league. Every kid knows Patrick Mahomes. I can't. I can't risk it because of these two bozos. I can't. He's too close to him. And he won't separate himself from him. One's his wife. How's he going to even do? He can't even do one. He can't even separate himself from one. One's his fucking wife. Like, and his brother. His brother's just a fucking bozo. I don't know. I can't. I mean, literally, it's so many words to describe his brother, douchebag. I mean, he's just so fucking annoying looking. Like, I mean, he just—he's just an attention whore. Like he's fighting fans. He's dancing on Sean Taylor's memorial. I mean, and, and I don't even have. I mean, he's just cursing people out. I don't want to. And Brittany. I mean, Brittany's doing the same stuff. She's cursing people out. She's comparing herself to being bullied because people had. Listen. The win, the win over Buffalo. Brittany Mahomes has a bottle of, uh, I don't appears to be Bella Rose. And she shakes it up. She's on, she's in club, uh, she's club level. No, sorry. She's in a suite. My apologies. <laughs> I'm sure the Mahomes camp will be quick to, uh, to correct me on that one. No, she was in a suite. <laughs> she shakes it up, shakes the bottle up, pops the cork, and proceeds to uh, to just let champagne spray the people beneath her. It was the most it was the most Roman gladiator setting of of it was it was. It was tone deaf, but even full circle, it speaks to just they have no class. They're the, that's really what it is. They have no class. But the problem is, even with no class, you shouldn't need class to be a good person. You shouldn't need class to have dignity. And you shouldn't need class to not know a good thing and realize your behavior is going to ruin that good thing. That you're the reason that good thing will be hindered. That that right there that's real nonsense i know you won't steal from me no you won't
love me, I know that you still love me, yeah, 